Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode one of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choriki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? I'm in pretty good shape, man. Things are good. Feeling good. Nice, nice. Looking good. Got Uh, some new shirts. Ooh, very fresh. Yeah. Well, you know, that season is changing. You gotta, you gotta update that look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, H&M, my friend. Oh, you don't, you don't have to tell me. Uh, that is a, that is a shirt hot spot for your old buddy, Matt. Yep, um, yep, yep, yep. Well, Dave, weird, I would, I weird would, way to start the episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the episode, Dave, I would like to welcome you back to the sort of proper flow of this show. We've had, uh, the last couple of episodes have been a little, uh, atypical, uh, but uh, we are that's typically atypical. That's always yeah, yeah. how it is. But yeah, uh, but we're back, and this is the first episode of season four. So for all of our continuing listeners, uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, and for anyone who found the show because you are big fans of O Ranger and you just Googled O Ranger podcast, uh, welcome to you as well. Hey, good to meet you. It's going to be very fun, you guys. You're going to love it. Uh, o Ranger is weird. Um, you know, I mean, listen, all of the Sentai shows are I was going to say, good weird. Good um, weird. But we will we will get into the specific ways that are weird, and we will do it once a week for the next year or so. <laughs> uh, but before we do that, Dave, um, we... Ha- oh, Dave, I forgot to check. Well, our, 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 our third season ended. Yeah. And our opening segment, which had previously been two-time award-winning... Um, the, the Shining in the Heavens, of course, there are five stars. Yep, yep, yep. Dave, are the five stars a three-time now award-winning opening segment? Well, man, I gotta say, uh, no one else has submitted to the Academy of you and I, uh, but I do think it was my year to order the award, So, which I didn't do. I totally forgot. So if you have a podcast and it has an opening segment and you want to get down on this, uh, please feel free to submit... And uh, the Academy will review all all entries. Uh, we'll see. But I feel I feel good about a three-peat, Matt. I got to be honest. The hat trick, my friend. Yeah, uh, I know the judge. We're on very good terms. <laughs> okay, so the potentially three-time award-winning opening segment, Dave, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, is uh, welcome to For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. It's a... Uh, we just wanted to go a little bit more into detail uh, about us, about the history of the show, about this history of this show, not necessarily about the history of O-Ranger, although maybe we could talk about that. Uh, and, uh, we we why could we have do, if I had done research. Yeah, kind of why we do what we do. So we started this podcast a, three years ago, three years ago now, and we started it. This is not a joke because Matt was watching Die Ranger. And he thought of two things. He said, first of all, I need someone to share the weirdness of this show with me. And I said, well, I'll do that. And he also thought of the pun, Live and Let Die Ranger. And he said, well, that would be a great name for a podcast. And I said, Matt, that's such a great name for a podcast. It would almost be a criminal crime to not 
make that podcast. Right. It would be such a waste of a good joke. That yeah. So here <laughs> so we that, are. So that we did not waste that joke. Here we are, three years later. Th- three years later, and uh, so yeah. So we're brothers, real life, actual flesh and blood brothers. Uh, not like I love you, bro, brothers. Although Matt, I do love you, bro. Love you too, bro. Yeah. So um, we are. The internet's second most famous brother group that does a podcast. I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, that might be true. Um, yeah. We're certainly not the most. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not the most popular. That's for super sure. Um, but, but, uh, and, oh, and, yeah. and in this segment, this opening segment, uh, the reason it is called The Five Stars is because in Die Ranger, which was the first season that we did, that was their sort of... Um, like, when they transformed, they would say, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. And when we were a young podcast, desperate for segments, uh, we decided that we would have that be our opening segment. So it's just five things that we want to talk about this week. Sometimes they're related to the uh, Sentai shows that we're watching. Sometimes it's just the stuff we've been up to this week. Um, you will sort of get a feel for it pretty quickly, I think. I I think. So yeah, uh, again, if you just on the show, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here. We hope you dig it. Um, yeah, that's it, man. We hope you dig it. Uh, we like the show a lot, um, and we like you a lot. So, so much. Matt. So much. So, so much. So Matt, what is our second star of the week? Dave, second star of the week is that uh, a few weeks ago, we haven't done the stars in a couple of weeks, so I've had a few things saved up. Um, which I honestly don't even think we're going to get through all of my like my sketchbook of stars uh, that I've been saving up. Not sketchbook, uh, notebook. That's the that's the word for that. Um, <laughs> but a couple of weeks ago, our sister uh, and I uh, we did something that I've been meaning to do for the last couple of summers. Is we finally went to Cedar Point. Oh, nice! I had not been to Cedar Point, America's roller coast, in some time, uh, and it, Dave, I know that you're not a big roller coaster guy. I am not. Um, that is true. But I am a big roller coaster guy, and I kind of forget how much I love them because there will often be a good number of years between me riding roller coasters and doing it again. Um, but I had the best time. Uh, and here's something that I had either... It is either a new development or something that I had forgotten since the last time I had gone on roller coasters. Okay. Is I was unaware that when I started to fall on the roller coaster, I mean, you know, like a controlled fall. I was not like toppling. Yeah, um, right. When the roller coaster started to coast, um, my immediate reaction was unbidden, uncontrollable, maniac laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm really glad that you said that because I was nervous that this was going to be like a getting old star. No, 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 no. No, this like, is a. It's been a few years. It's still cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, the entire day was like we would stay in line for, you know, a very long time. Yeah, just so long. Well, because it was also like 72 degrees in. October on a Saturday at the amusement park, so everyone was there. Oh, also, right. since it is October, uh, it was Halloweekends, which is the time Ooh. of year that Cedar Point like dresses itself up to look spooky, which was really I, fun because I had never been there during that. Because I mean, it's not made up to look scary, it's made up to look Halloween spooky, which is right. cool. Yeah, that's, that's a completely different thing. Scary can suck a lemon. Oh, Halloween yeah. Spooky is super fun, though. Very fun. Uh, speaking of Halloween Spooky, I just bought a uh, four-pack of old Christopher Lee Dracula movies. Nice. Uh, I think we're going to start watching that after we record this very episode, Dave. Uh, but yeah, Cedar Point is great. If you, are, you know, 
ride a roller coaster. Take take some time to do a thing that you love that you haven't done in a while. I yeah, think is dude. maybe a good. I, that is, I think, something that we come back to now and again on these these stars of ours, Dave. And I I think it's a good point. Listen, Matt. Oh, so since it's for your eyes, O Ranger, if you've just found the show, you might not know uh, this year's slogan is be excellent to each other. Just be excellent to each other. And sometimes, Matt, being excellent to each other includes yourself. It starts so at it's home, okay babe. to be excellent. Yeah. So uh, actually, so we always used to go to, not always, but okay, if you live in Cleveland, which we do, and there was like a school special anything like, oh, day out because everybody graduated or whatever. Like you just go to Cedar Point. Like it's what everybody does. You know, you never appreciate the stuff that you have in your own backyard. But I remember being blown away because I would we would show up to Cedar Point and there would be cars in the parking lot from like like Arizona and California. Like people drove literally across the country to get to Cedar Point. And I don't think I ever like kind of got what a big deal Cedar Point was, but it's actually a very big deal. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, it's got it's got the Raptor, which head? is the best ride of all time. Coaster head? Is that a thing? Is that yeah. the name for that? Uh, I don't know. A, a thrill seeker? A life lover? I'm go. really not sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Matt, is uh, Cuphead. Have you heard about this game? Have you seen it? Have you played it? Uh, I have not played it. I have seen it, and I am aware of it. Okay, so uh, it's bananas. Have you, you should, played it? You should play it. I actually did play it for a minute. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I quit playing video games a little while ago. I don't have beef with video games. I just realized that like in my own personal life journey, they were taking up a lot more space than I was comfortable with. And I'm not great at doing things. Let's get deeply personal on the first episode. Like I'm not great at doing things by like half measures. Sure. Like, if there's ice cream in my house, I'm going to eat the ice cream. So I just don't buy ice cream, and then it's not my house, and then I don't eat it. So, like, I just decided I wasn't going to play video games at all. And that's actually been working out super well for me. But Beth got this game, and I was sitting with the babies, and I was watching her play it. And I was like, all right, man, I, I got to get down on this game. J- like, just to test, like, just to see what's up. And it is it is an old school hard, like, super difficult, like, twitchy side-scroller animated, which you know if you've seen it, but animated in the style of, like, Steamboot Willie, like, super early cartoons. Yeah, it's like a hand-animated, really impossible, not impossible, but very difficult side-scroller game. Yeah, man, and uh, it's really, because the aesthetic is so at odds with everything else that's happening in the game, because it it like it's super super hard and it's super super because it's so hard it's super super fun because games aren't hard really anymore no not not most games not like, like the big popular games right like they're not desi- like like old games are super super hard, or they could be at least. And like right. modern well, games I mean, are not listen, hard in that same way. There was only so much room on the cartridge for a game, and so if you wanted someone to play, you know, their this three hour game and having them take forty hours to do it, so they really felt like they got their money's worth. You really? needed to make that game extremely difficult. <laughs> 
I was talking to our buddy Bill because we were chatting about this game, and he was saying that um, he was he was sort of tracking reviews of this game, and everybody who was like reviewing it online that was over the age of like twenty nine was like, "Oh my gosh, Cuphead is was amazing," and everybody under the age of like twenty five was like, "This game is impossible, and it's not fun, and no one should ever play it." But uh, you should you should definitely definitely pick it up. Uh, I only played it for maybe like two hours and that did remind me why I stopped playing video games because I was like, oh yeah, this is a me. Like, just, I just gotta settle it. into this guy. Yeah, I could really feel myself. So I was like, nope, I can't play it anymore. <laughs> but I played it enough to give it a really solid review, which is that you should 100% uh, play. And it's also cheap. It's like 20 bucks or something. Oh, so nice. you should pick up Cuphead. All of you out there, you should also pick up Cuphead. Uh, there's apparently a world record for it already, which is like 40 minutes. Which I literally would think was impossible if I hadn't seen a man do it. Well, but Dave, what, I mean, the the first time anyone beat the game, there was a world record for well, completion oh, speed. Okay, well, that's a good point. Uh, there is a very, very fast record <laughs> for completion speed. Uh, what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, Dave, is that... Um, so our little sister is living with me right now. And yeah. this weekend, she had a friend to visit. It's a friend of hers from Canada that she knew from, like... When they both lived in Korea together, right? Fun. So no, cool. Yeah. So this person comes down, and you know, it was nice. She was a nice person. Um, it was cool that you know she got to hang out with her friend and so forth. But like, I don't really know her, so I wasn't really like around much this weekend. I sort of found yeah, other but... things to do. But the other day, I, I walked into the kitchen, and one of the things that is fun to do when you are hanging out with a international friend is uh, comparing and contrasting regional potato chips. Oh, yeah, 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 because, like, the flavor wizards of different nations all went to, like, different Hogwarts. Yeah. You know like, what I mean? Like, some of them went to Hogwarts, and some of them went to, uh, I was going to say the name of the American Hogwarts, but then I remembered that I only saw that uh, Fantastic Beast movie one time, and I don't remember anything from it, except for I how weird know. it was. Uh, Break Bills, that's from that Magician's show, which is real, real good, and you should watch if you haven't watched it. There we but go. They, yeah. So, the flavor anyway. wizards, they have different training, they have different styles, So different... Um, Arcane specializations. So she brought some Canadian all-dressed chips, which is a good chip that has been a star on the show before, actually. Uh, I think yeah, some totally. chips and uh, Katie, her sister, bought some of those like weird Lay's seasonal chips, the, the crispy taco ones specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which taste an upsetting amount like a crispy taco. And when I say that, I don't mean it tastes like taco seasoning. I mean like that it tastes like a taco. It tastes no. like beef and a little bit of tomato and iceberg lettuce and cheese. It's You've very strange. This. You've mentioned it. Uh, I haven't gotten around to trying them yet. I do really want to, kind of. Okay. So, you know, diff but so different people have different regional chips and right. different regional practices, and that's fine, you know? I I'm yeah. a big believer in the fact that, like, for a lot of sort of, like, pop culture stuff, and also I think that extends to, like, food stuff, there's no, like, really right way to do it. If you're going to watch a show, of watch the show. Not. If you're not going to watch it, don't watch it. Like, I don't agree with you if you get your steak well done, but, like, we can still be brothers. That's fine, right? I mean, okay, metaphorical yeah. brothers. I'm not talking about you. You would never do that. I was going to say, I just do want to clarify that I do not get my steak well done. But here's the thing, Dave, is I walked into the kitchen and I reached for one of these bags of chips because we never have them in the house and I thought I'd treat myself to a chip. Right, and they were well-done steak-flavored. <laughs> no, no, they were just some dill chips. I think that maybe uh, our sister's Canadian friend did not think that we had dill down here. 
So she just brought some, which is fine. Here's what's not fine. So I picked it up and the bag was already open. From the bottom, Dave. What? The bottom of the bag was open and not the top. And here's, that's not the worst part. The worst part is that I looked around and all of my windows were intact, which meant that as soon as she did this, the flavor police did not crash through my windows to arrest her and put her in handcuffs and take her to prison for her crimes. Okay, just, I want to be very, very clear, Matt. Were all of the bags open from the bottom? Did you confront... This alien... Well, no, see, because at that point, I was afraid to confront her. Because clearly she was a pod person. She was not... To be clear, I mean an outer space alien, not like an alien from Canada. (laughs) Right. No, she, like... At that point, I was convinced that she was either a robot who had kind of figured out how to be a human, but had, like, missed a lot of the fine-tuning stuff. Like, opening your chips from the bottom is a pod person, like, robot who can't pass the Turing test move. And I was... Deeply, not just offended, but upset. Okay, I just, I want to be clear for your mental health. This was like an on-purpose thing that she had done. Oh yeah, there was at no point like a a note left on the bag saying like, sorry, I did it the worst way possible. (laughs) Which is the only proper way to respond to that sort of situation. Yeah, okay. Well, if, you know, I was about to say if you're... A Canadian, and you can explain this, then do. But I realized I don't actually want that explanation because that's that's a sort of like lo- any explanation that you're going to give me is going to be some sort of like Lovecraftian horror thing that's going to make me insane just by reading it. Yeah, yeah. So keep that. You keep that Eldritch secret to yourself, Canada. I don't want to know. <laughs> um, okay, Dave. What is our fifth and final star of the week? So, our fifth and final star of the week, Matt, is what... Matt, something's just come across my desk. It's what... What is this? It's... Matt, it's a baby watch. We interrupt your regular broadcast of the Super Sentai Brothers to bring you a breaking news update. Baby watch. Baby watch. What do we got, Dave? So, Baby Watt, oh, uh, very quickly, my wife, Beth, and I, uh, we are foster parents, and we right now are raising two adorable twins. Uh, they're almost 11 months old. Their, birth, their 11-month anniversary is next week, and they are adorable and super cute. Sure, and there's yes. A, yeah, there's I, a, I, I so, can vouch for this. Right. So, it's a boy and a girl. And for the sake of privacy, uh, both because they are human beings and also because they're foster kids. And it's literally illegal for me to tell you, <laughs> like, broadcast information about them. Uh, we call them the Buddy Bear and the Sugar Bean uh, because he is a tiny bear and he's my buddy because he makes growly noises all the time. And Sugar Bean is a tiny bean and she's very sweet. So, Oh, like sugar. Yeah, like oh, sugar. That's where the, the whole thing Comes in. Uh, not like a weird Korean sugar bean where they make desserts out of beans that you shouldn't. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Those yeah, desserts yeah, yeah. are pretty good, but that's not what we're here okay, talking yeah, about. Yeah, I was going to. This is not Korean sugar bean watch. Right. <laughs> so uh, periodically, we just like to update people about these adorable babies. And uh, this week's baby watch, Matt, is that Buddy Bear started walking. 
like wa- like unassisted walking, like yeah, not no, just like, holding on to the coffee table walking. Right, no, full on unassisted walking. He can get about like at a good stretch, he can get like eight to ten feet. Wow. Yeah, and he has uh, he's gotten to the spot where he can walk, and then he can pause himself, and then keep walking. Which is really good because when he first started, he would sort of like start walking and then the momentum would get the better of him. And then it was only a matter of time. Yeah, before he crashed. But now he can like walk and stop and keep walking. Turns. He's Zoolander in this way. Like turns are really giving him trouble. Like he could turn right but not left? Well, yeah. If he was like a, he was like an ambidextrous Zoolander. He can't turn either direction. He's very bad at turning. But in a straight line, boy howdy, uh, he's doing a really, really good job. moving right along. Yeah, so that's this week's Baby Watch. Matt, let's go watch the first episode. Now, it feels weird when I do it. You have to do it. Uh, yes, Dave, today we are watching episode one of Shoriki Sentai Ranger. It is Invasion 1999. Uh, we're going to go take a break and watch that, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back. We have just finished watching episode one, Invasion 1999. Uh, dudes, I love the first episodes of Sentai shows. I love a lot of episodes, but the first episodes are always special. They are, and this is, this is a particularly good one, I think. Oh, yeah. This, like, this one is not wasting any time. I was gonna say, I'm super, super into this. Uh, okay, so the setup for, uh, Churiki Sentai O-Ranger Am I saying that right, Matt? Shuriki, right? I, th- I think you are. If you okay. know, if we need to adjust as the show goes on, we will have another forty-seven episodes. Yeah. So, uh, so the setup for O Ranger is that the Machine Empire Baronia, which are like uh, Decepticons, I, basically I, they're non-transforming Decepticons. I they're think it's Baronia. Oh, that's weird, but okay. Hey, listen. Uh, like paranoia, maybe I don't maybe? know. Um, Machine Empire Baronia is invading earth and they are a like super powerful machine like sentient machines and they are going to uh well i already said it they're going to invade earth which means this year is a science year uh if you are new to super sentai if you just kind of found the show uh basically there's two very broad flavors of super sentai and there's sciencey super sentai shows like super science and there's like magical, magical shows. Yeah. Uh, so last year we year, had magic. Uh, right. Tiger Ranger was magic. Jetman was uh, science. Science and Dire Ranger was magic. So yeah. we are. I, I think they kind of like not like all the time, but I feel like they bounce back and forth with a pretty good um, sort of rhythm, at least in this era of the show. Yeah. Now we actually find out pretty early on, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything by saying this is that the O-Ranger team is powered by ancient super-civilization tech. So it's actually a little... It's kind of a cool blend. Like, it's science, but it's a little bit magic-y, maybe? Yeah, it's very cool. We'll get into more of that when they explain what Chariki is in episode two of the show. Okay, I haven't watched that yet. Man, I love... uh, I I have a sort of embarrassing love for the ancient super-civilization... It's just like it's one of my all-time favorite tropes. Like if you want to hook me in, like that's that's a really solid way to do it. Be like things are okay now, but a million years ago they had nanobots. Like yes, I'm down immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, so this show, it starts off and it gives you like a cold open. It's like a quick 10 second thing that says the machine empire paranoia is plotting an invasion of earth. And like the only people who can stop them are the ancient technology powered superheroes, O-Ranger. And then yes. we go into the opening scene or the opening credits. And we'll talk about it just this one time, Matt, although it's good. I normally take a little bit of time oh, to, to like, get like, into I'm the just song. Saying, this first episode is really setting this show up to be a home run for me. I hope the rest of the show pulls through. Like, I have no doubt that it'll be good, but I'm already super psyched. Yeah, I normally take a little bit of time to warm up on the opening themes. This one, I'm immediately down. Like, it's good. It's very good. Um, so it opens up with O-Red, which is the Red Ranger, doing a super red bike jump. Awesome. Oh, and I love his super red bike uh, because all of the members of the team have, like, shapes on their face. Um. Oh, by the way, if you are familiar with uh, Power Ranger Zeo but are not familiar with O-Ranger, um, Zeo is are. the show that you is adapted fact, from O-Ranger. O-Ranger. Yeah. Oh, so, like, the star that is on his face is also on, like, the front of his motorcycle? It's a very yeah, good branding. It's very cool. So, here is, uh, I did my best to get the words down. So, it goes, dash, dash, O-Ranger. The heartbeat of the land is starting to slow. Dash. Machines of steel with no warm blood are freezing over our dreams of peace. Probably dash, dash, O-Ranger. There's a bunch of dash, dashes that I didn't get Oh, yeah, get it down. happens quite a few times in the song. Yeah. Uh, but if we face tomorrow with courage flaring, we'll have no fear of paranoia. Once we start running, we'll never stop. Then there's like a line I missed, and then once we take hold, we'll never let go. And then there were some Olays in there. Oh, yeah. Olay is throughout this show. Which, uh, oh, it's not like it's not just the theme. Like, this is a thing for the show. I, I think so. I think it's something that, like, they'll shout out sometimes, which I believe is because it is O-Ranger, and that is, like, an exclamation that starts with the letter O. Ah. So we're not going to get, like, an Aztec ancient civilization here, is what you're telling me. Um, I'm trying to remember which ancient civilizations there are, and I do not believe that the Aztecs are involved. Well, okay, you know, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and back that one up. Because I said something very embarrassing. Because the Aztecs, Matt, didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> so, so let me just go ahead and make a, a blanket apology there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that, that one took a second to catch up with old Dave. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's late in the day when we're recording this episode. It's... We're, we're doing our best here, folks. It is. So, uh, our first scene is we are on the Baranoia moon base, and there's Emperor Bacchus Wrath, who is the king, uh, well, he's the emperor of the Baranoia uh, machine empire. Uh, his, and then there is... Yeah, his wife is the Empress Hysteria. Yeah. And then there is Prince Bulldont, who I already hate. Oh, so yeah. that's fun. Yeah, he sucks. He sucks a lot. But, yeah, thankfully, yeah, yeah. Uh, the machine empire does have a pair of butlers... One yes. is human-sized, and one is, like, parrot-sized and sits on his shoulder or arm. Uh, I would have said Tom Servo-sized, Matt, but yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, listen, Tom Servo does not typically, like, perch on people. Uh, yeah, so that is Butler... Well, okay, one of them is Butler Kocha, and one of them is Butler Acha, and I don't know which one is which. I think Acha is the big one, and Kocha is the small one. 
that's what I have written down for some reason, but that may have just been a cold guess. Uh, so Butler Coach and Butler Archer walk in and they're like, oh, Emperor, Emperor Bacchus, uh, you're so amazing. And like, this is so great. And the humans like are so weak and pathetic. Like, surely we'll win immediately. Like, let's go. And so they, they have a giant ship that is shaped like a cog. Sure. Listen, you're a machine uh, empire. Yeah, why else? You, listen, uh, nothing I have found, Matt, is Im- as important for supervillains as having a theme. Like, that's really where, if you don't have a brand, Matt, ultimately, what do you have? Nothing, You're Dave. just, yeah, that's that's how you differentiate, like, an evil empire from just a nut job with an army, is that they've got branding. That's the important part. So... What, what, I really, what I really like about this shot when they're showing the ship flying away, they also give you a shot of like the like the Baranoia army like arrayed out on the field and like yeah, giant ships look. like walking around. They do a very good job immediately in the show of establishing like like the physical scale of the enemy, which I think is very cool because it's it not is. again after a show like Cocker Ranger where it was all just kind of like street level and like running into monsters in the woods to have like a moon base with an army is a very refreshing look yeah it is it's super cool and uh we do get a like this ship is really large it's a very very big ship so we go from there and uh we're now on to earth and there's sirens and panicking and they tell us that it is 1999 which was weird to me because i had to go like i went and i looked at the seasons i was like did we miss like, did we, for some reason, oh, yeah. jump a bunch of seasons? Nope. Just, this show is set in, uh, it's 94, but they it's the 94-95 season. Uh, I think it's it actually in, the 95-96 season. Oh, my bad. Thank you. Uh, but they set it in 1999 for reasons that I don't understand. Well, so it's set Dave, in 1999. I mean, do you remember the 90s? Like, 1999 and, like, 1999, 2000, and 2001, any movie, TV show, video game, whatever, that was created prior to those years often used one of those three years as saying, like, oh, it's, like, the future. But it's not, like, the future future. This is, like, what could happen in a couple of years. Right, but, okay, here's the thing. They do this show every year. Like, guys, in 1999, was it, like, a super long ways away? No, and I think what's really funny (laughs) is that at some point, there is going to be a crossover movie between Cocker Ranger and O-Ranger, and, like, Cocker Ranger was not set in 1998. It was set in 1994 when they made that show. Right. So, like, they just jumped. Is Okay, so I guess my ultimate question is, is every Sentai series after O-Ranger just set four years in the future? No, because I remember Time Ranger is set at a... Like, because Time Ranger came out in the year 2000, and it was definitely set in the year 2000. Because they okay. had people coming back from the year 3000 and they were coming back a thousand years to a chase like years, right. future criminals. Time Ranger is very man, good. Okay. Great man. Great job. Sentai. All right. Anyways. So we, uh, we find out that there is something called the United air force. And, uh, we would assume that it is some sort of international air. We don't know because we only ever see if it is international, we only ever see the Japanese contingent of it, at least in this first episode. Right. Well, you know, I listen, it's a Japanese show. Um, right. in, in most shows, I, I, I think what we are meant to assume is that it is an international thing, but we are seeing the Japanese wing of it. Yeah. 
So we get the we we see some uh, establishing shots of the United Air Force, and then like the uh, the main dude Goro Hoshino shows up at a at a base. He like gets out of a helicopter and he walks into this command center, and in the command center, there's video of Baronia battleships attacking cities. And they are—they <laughs> are not messing around. No, these are very, very large ships, and they're super, super powerful. Oh, and they have a bunch of like fighter jets that they drop out, which are like—they're um, sort of like War of the Worlds, like tripod walkers. Yeah, that's they have, exactly what I said. But they have like extra legs, and those legs can like pop up and all get like tilted forwards, and it becomes like a fighter jet. Yeah, it's super cool, actually. Uh, the Wikipedia page refers to them as like octopus fighters, which I guess we can call them. They don't. Act, they haven't actually talked about like what they're no, called in the show. Let's not though. Let's not do that. So, so Goro Hoshino he shows up and he's sort of like getting the lay of the land. And we don't know. They haven't told us that he's important yet, but like clearly the establishing shots oh, are, he, are indicating he to the, us. He has the bearing of someone who is important, right? Uh, he's actually super rad, man. He like walks in like he owns that joint, which. I guess in a way he does. Oh, yeah, because, okay, this guy is O-Red. Yeah. Like, we don't Sorry. know this, know this yet, but this guy will be O-Red. Um, and at this point, he is the only existing O-Ranger. So when he walks into a room in the, like, United Air Force thing, he's like, oh, yeah, what's up? You guys all work at this base, but I'm the superhero who works here, so let's get, like, let's get moving. <laughs> right. So what we find out is that the Baranoians... Baranoians? That's... Anyways... Listen, the Baranoians. It's that I'm that is listen, what it I'm is, and I I will not. We we cannot go forward at this show calling them the wrong name for forty eight episodes. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I just have to resign myself to this. So, anyways, uh, we find out that the Baranoians have attacked New York and Paris already, and yeah. then they and then t- now they are attacking Tokyo, and they have actually sent terms of surrender. They said, "Here is here's the deal. We are the Baranoians, and here are the terms of surrender." You're going to turn over all of Earth's material resources. Half of your people are going to come with us to be galactic slaves, I guess. And then it doesn't say what happens to the other half, I don't think. But it says I, the other half will like stay here and probably yeah, be like local slaves. Right, presumably. And so, and uh, and every day that you do not surrender at noon, we will launch another attack on like a major metropolitan area. Yeah. So that's the threat. Um, so the Goro then looks around and is like, okay, well, this is terrible. I need the other four people who are going to be part of my squad. Like, where are they now? And then right as he asks that, with uh, some flunky, like, announces like, oh man, the thun- Thunderbirds? Is that what the planes were called? These, yes. these planes. These planes are being attacked. Like, oh no, Something's happened, and like we get the I forget exactly what they say, but the other four people who are going to be on the O Ranger team are in these planes. Yeah, they so these four are already part of the United Air Force, right? Um, and like they are already a team used to working together. Yes, dude. I actually I'm gonna hold off on what I say on saying what I love about this for like another minute because we're gonna kind of loop back around to it. Oh, so yeah. here's yeah. So here are their names. It's uh, Shohei Yokaichi, Juri Nijao, and I'm guys. I'm I'm doing my best with these pronunciations. I'm sure that I'm getting it wrong. I, I genuinely apologize. I, I speak English. Yeah. And uh, Momo Maruo Maruo, did you catch that one? 
Marau? Yeah, I, I have it up on the Wikipedia. Yeah, um, and so... Jur- um, and uh, Yuji Mita. Yeah, oh, sorry, I missed Yuji. And so they are... The two guys are uh, Shohue and Yuji. And the two women are Juri and Momo. And the guys are pilots and the women are gunners. So we're in like a Maverick Goose situation here. Yeah. And it's very, very clear that, as you said, Matt, that they are already, these four are already a team and that like, it's like two sets of two and they are already a team and they already know each other and they already like work super well together, which is it's super, super cool. I always, listen, I love, okay, never mind. I'm going to put off what I'm about to say until I think the conversation that you want to have in a few minutes. Yeah, 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 definitely. Are we, okay, so, just to be clear, we're going to talk about Jetman in a few minutes, right? Uh, well, we are, but there's actually some other stuff that I want to talk about that is non-Jetman related. So it'll be a great conversation. So, uh, so look forward uh, to that, listeners. Yeah, that's a weird spoiler that we put in. Why did? Anyways, so there is a there's a pretty short dog fight. Uh, Go Earth. They don't win though. Well, they don't win because, like, listen, they're very good pilots, and they actually manage to outmaneuver the Machine Empire's jet fighters. But the weapons that, like, the missiles that are on their, like, the human jet fighters just aren't strong enough to damage the machine ones. Yeah, this is not a, this is not an operator error. This is just, like, a, a the hardware is just not there. So yeah, and they, this actually, this will happen, like, pay attention because this is going to happen throughout this episode where, like, these people are, like, the best possible people out there doing their best work. And it's just not working, not because they're doing the wrong thing, but because the Machine Empire's flunkies are just that strong. Yeah. Um, so the Baranoians, they sort of look like uh, off-brand Cybermen. If you're familiar, like if you watch Doctor Who, which I feel like if you're watching, listening to a Super Sentai podcast, like there's a pretty high likelihood that you also have watched Doctor Who? Yeah. It's like these that are, makes sense to me. Yeah. So these are clearly like robot people. And yeah. there's a lot of like animations where they're, it'll, it'll close up on their face and then it'll clearly go from live action to an animation where like the faceplate opens up and the head spins around and like a weird <laughs> like robo flaunting like their... I don't know what the move is, man. It's it's creepy. I'll give them that. Yeah. So, well, Matt, what you say is that there's a bunch of animation. So, what you mean is that there is an animation that they use a bunch of times. <laughs> well, but that yeah, is true. these dudes, uh, they look like off-brand Cybermen. And also, when they which, move, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Because Cybermen also sort of look like off-brand Cybermen. Well, I mean, like, that's just no... the that's just that beautiful BBC aesthetic. Yeah. So uh, when oh, they yeah. move, when the Bear Soldiers move, which is what they're called. Um, they are the putties for this season, the Barra soldiers. Right. Um, when they move, like, the camera does a thing that makes them look like they're moving in, like, a sort of a herky-jerky, like, jumpy sort of way. Like, they are machines that, like, do not move in a straight line. They're sort of, like, yeah. clockwork and, like, jittering along. Now, that, that effect does not happen when they are in fights, but uh, it is very cool and creepy. Yeah, it's super, super neat. And they have a sort of uh, ape like movement oh yeah absolutely like they beat their chest they sort of hunch over it's they're weird herky-jerky robot ape men's with laser eyes they're yeah they're very good i'm not gonna no, say they're not very uh, good it's super no I, I dig these monsters already so these four uh i'm just gonna say their names again to remind myself uh shohei juri yuji and momo like they crash land but they survive 
Well, they're very and good pilots, Dave. Yeah, they're super good pilots, and we see them sort of like skid and crash land. It's like a very dramatic scene, and they do survive. Uh, we flash back to the base, and they say, and the commander of the base is saying like, "Oh, we got to get a rescue team together." And Goro says, "Well, listen, like these four are my squad. Like I'm just going to go out and and re- and rescue them." Yeah, like I am the rescue squad. Like you chill right. here, I'll take care of. Which things. is, <laughs> it's just like, well, no one said you. No one said you couldn't go, Goro. You can also, like, you can also go, but other people could go too. That would be nah, man. Goro knows what's up. <laughs> well, I guess this is a moment of I was about. It's not dramatic irony. Goro knows something that I don't know, which we're going to see later. So we flash back to uh, the four, and they've escaped their jets, and they are getting attacked. Right. Like they're getting blasted at, and the Barra soldiers are are like landing and the bear soldiers fight with like an electro stun rod thing. Yeah. It can, cool. it can also be like extended into a spear when they start to get attacked when they're on the ground. Um, Shohei, the who will be the green ranger seems a little offended. He's like, you guys already shot us out of the sky. Now you're going to come and like try to kill us personally. Like it is. Like though he's of... saying like, that's really rude. Yeah. Like that's not cool. So, they, I don't think they fight. No, they don't fight back yet. Like they are just running. They're like, we don't know what's going on with these dudes. Uh, they've got some sort of crazy weaponry. We're getting shot at from some like Gatling gun from the Walkers, and uh, and and they're just they're just bugging out. And I just want to say, first of all, these Barra soldiers are way more threatening, I think, than any of the foot soldiers we have seen yet. Well, okay, that's what I really like, is that in the beginning of this episode, they really do a good job of getting them over as, like, a really legitimate threat. Yes. Well, that's kind of... And then, okay, Okay. so later in the episode, when they get... Like, when they have to fight O-Red, he does not have the problem with him, because he's a superhero. So we're going to spend the whole episode watching, like, those things be, like, these unkillable, like, robo-murder machines... Um, and then we get to see, ah, and this is how strong the O-Rangers are. Like, they are the people who can actually deal with this. It's yeah. super satisfying. It's a really, really good setup for this show. Like, it's a really impressive piece of storytelling. And part of, and this is kind of the other thing that, well, you know, yeah, let's just talk about it now. Because as they are running away, uh, they might say this a little bit later, but these four are talking and they're like, dude... No, we have to, like, let's stand and fight. Let's, like, give this a shot. We are the best of the United Air Force. Like, we're the top people. It doesn't get better than us. And so I really love that off the bat, this is a team that is already, like, they are on top of their game. They're super competent. Like, they know what they're doing, and they're already a team, which is not actually something, at least in the seasons that we've watched, that we've ever seen yeah. In a Super Sentai show. And specifically. There's always, yeah. There's sorry, always kind of like a, I was just going to say, there's always kind of like a, oh, getting the team together and like, you were destined to be a ranger, but you never knew it. And you're like a noodle chef or like a farmer and you just got like zapped by Verdonic energy and you becoming the yellow ranger in the case of Raita uh, is like a really, really big element of the show. And I do like it because it's, you know, provides drama of a different sort. But I'm really into the idea that there's like, nope, these guys are already a team. They already know each other. They're super on their game. They're like the best of the best of the best. And that is why 
like that's why they're the right. O-Rangers. And what it's such a cool contrast from Jetman. Because if you remember yes. Jetman, like this is what Jetman was supposed to be. Like this is the initial setup for Jetman is that there was going to be yeah, like, this the, super special task force. Right, like made up of like the best dudes in the military and they were going to do it. But, you know, the the Viram commanders attacked and so stuff didn't go right. Um, but in this show, like they like you know they have the chance to actually do it properly and so we get to see the sort of team that was originally supposed to comprise jetman and i think it's very cool to get that other angle on things yeah okay so huge digression let's get back to the actual right. order of this show okay so uh they are running away and they did end at a cliff and they uh one of them grabs a vine swing okay and so executes a truly astonishing the Tarzan level, like, 80-foot vine swing across this ravine. Here's what I love about this vine swing, Dave. So they're, they're, they're clearly stuck not at, a vine? Yeah, they're stuck at this ravine. Um, they're being chased by the jet fighter that has gone into, like, walking mode. And it's, like, walking at them and knocking over a bunch of trees. It's very cool. It's super cool. Um, again, does a really good job of really displaying the scale of everything. Yeah. So uh, oh, it's the hey, it's the Blue of... Ranger finds uh what's his Yuji, name again? Right? Yuji. Yeah. So Yuji sees a vine and he's like, "Okay, here's what we're going to do." And like hops on the vine. It is a vine in that scene. When it cuts to him swinging, it is so clearly a rope. And then as soon as he gets to the other side and there's another shot of him like landing, it is a vine again. It is amazing. Yeah, I love it. Oh, speaking of Matt, I'm swinging on vines. Did I tell you that I watched the most recent Tarzan movie starring Ace Skarsgård? I can't remember which one. Oh, no. Did How I was it? this? It was uh, not good. Do not do not watch that movie. Walk. Don't run. Away from it. Yeah. No, uh, there were a couple of... Basically, every time Tarzan was like punching someone or swinging on vines, like that was great. And then everything else was, like, dumb dumb and bad. Were there any nooses? I know you're really big no. on uh, Tarzan's noose usage. Yeah, no, he never does. Which, actually, I had forgotten about until you mentioned it literally just now, which makes me dislike the movie even more. Man, even in Disney's Tarzan, somebody gets hung by the neck until dead. Oh, well, there is a dude with a noose, but it's not Tarzan. Well... It's not a great movie. Okay. Anyways, so, yeah, they full-on Tarzan swing across this thing, and uh, they, they're getting shot at again, and then it starts raining very hard. Uh, kind and they, of? And they're sort of, like, it's a very sudden, very hard rain. Um, they are running away. They fall down this hill, and they're just, like, rolling down this muddy hill for a few minutes. Yeah, and very obviously getting just sprayed with the hose. Like, there oh, is yeah. no... Like, there is a man literally maybe two feet off camera with a powerful hose that is just spraying them. There's some sort of lightning attack involved in this. I think it, it might just be a thunderstorm. Okay. I, I wasn't really clear. Um, this is a very frantic first episode, especially when they're running, like... It is. It does a very good job of conveying like these dudes are having a terrible day and they just have to run all the time. Yeah, uh, like but it the... does make it a little hard to write notes. Right. So um, we flash back from there. We see Goro. Goro gets in his own super jet. Um, oh, what is great just... is as he is walking from the command center to his super jet, he is like taking off his like military hat and ripping open his uh, uniform shirt. And whipping off his sunglasses. Because underneath all of this, he has his O-Ranger jumpsuit. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. It's so good. And uh, so he has like a special tricked out plane. And again, like everybody he's talking to, this is like really, really great establishing character stuff because everybody he's talking to is like super deferential. There's like no question that Goro is the dude and like every, he knows it and everybody knows it. Right. But he's not, not like, like a jerk way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He just he's recognizes just like, that he's in charge and needs to be doing stuff. Right, and uh, and like everybody's just operating, and it's really really cool. So he has a uh, tricked out. I, I man, I feel really silly. I didn't write this down, but like a tricked out fighter jet. Right, I, I think they are called the Thunderbirds. Okay, thank you. So he's got like a tricked out fight uh, Thunderbird that has some additional technology and uh, like armaments on it, and uh, and and he like takes off and he flies out of the side of a frozen mountain, which and everyone I love. sort of like cheers as he flies away. There's a whole like ground crew and staff to this military base, which I love. Yeah. Well, again, I think this is what the Jetman, in a way that Jetman was supposed to be. Like there was supposed to be this like giant staff and all of this stuff and like ground crews and everything. And they just didn't exist in the show. They had Uh, all been on that space station and got blown up. But but they are in O-Ranger, which is super rad. So we flip back from there to the Rangers. And again, things are not going great. And this is where we get uh, that dialogue I was talking about before with the Rangers talking to each other. They're not Rangers yet, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Talking to each other, saying like, no, we are like, we can do this. We are, we're like the best of the best. Like we can, we are. Right. I think the actual line is, yes, we're extraordinarily skilled, which is a great, uh, I think great the Yellow Ranger dialogue. says that. And I love this uh, Yellow Ranger. She is wonderful and beautiful and amazing. Um, what this is? Jury, right? On uh, Niju, I think is the she's the with the long hair, right? Yes, yes, that I believe is Niju. Okay, well, I, I have it here on the Wikipedia as Jury Niju, but I'm not sure if it's that or Niju Jury. We Ooh, we will get this down as clear. the show. We'll get that down. Yeah, anyway, so uh, I love that the Yellow Ranger is a lady. Dude, I love a, a lady Yellow Ranger. And I, I, and I always love it because the Yellow Ranger is like the strongest and toughest. And she yeah, is right. clearly the strongest and toughest one here. Right. That's what I really dig about it is like in the sort of metafiction of the Super Sentai, as Matt said, the Yellow Ranger is, and it's in like Voltron and stuff too. Like Honk is the biggest and the strongest and that's the Yellow Ranger. And I really dig that it's a lady. That's super cool. Uh, there, we haven't se- I haven't seen that yet. There is a scene in the, um, the end credits Yup. Where yep. we'll uh, talk about that? No, no, no. Save it. Save okay, it, save okay, it. okay. I want to talk about all that stuff. Uh, okay, and, and we get so, a little character stuff here. You know, like you know, um, either Jury or Niju, um, the yellow is like you know super like hard as nails. The uh, Momo, the Pink Ranger, is a little more like eh, less that way. A little bit, yeah. So they go to start a fire with some magical lighter fluid soaked logs. Okay. Dave, why do they start a fire? I have I because literally have no idea. <laughs> they finish rolling down the hill. Like they collapse in a heap. They're having a conversation. Two of the four haven't even gotten up from when they collapsed yet. They are actively concerned that they will be found again. And the very first thing they start doing is starting a fire using wet logs and lighter fluid, which is like the smokiest possible fire. Oh, okay, I don't think that they have lighter fluid. I just assumed that they were like, hmm, start a fire. Like, I don't think in on, 
I was about to say in game. I don't think on camera they have lighter fluid, Matt. I, I, I think these I, are just supposed to be magical logs. I think that I saw Shohei with lighter fluid. Oh, okay. Right on. Right on. Well, okay. That at least makes a little bit more sense. Well, I'm, it makes I'm happy sense that, that they would be able to do it. I just don't know why they did it. They're not like cooking food and it's not dark out. And yeah, well, I don't know, man. They just got out of water. Nope, they're not at the water yet. That's going to come in a minute. So anyways, well, let's, okay. Let me back this up, Matt. I know exactly why they set this fire. Because oh. Niju <laughs> is about to set some Barra soldiers on fire. Yes. Um, <laughs> so as they're doing this, uh, oh, that's right. They don't immediately get set upon by Barra soldiers. Uh, a snake comes out of nowhere in this, like, menacing Momo. Uh, and she yeah. shrieks. And everyone else just sort of, like, rolls their eyes and throws the snake away. Um, but then, immediately afterwards, she shrieks again, and everyone is, like, prepared to disregard her when she points and is like, oh, no, there's a robot right behind you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and there is. This time it is def- Yeah, it's definitely a robot. And so they attacked, and Niju grabs one of the flaming logs out of the fire and just friggin' clobbers. This bear a soldier with it, which uh, is amazing. He catches on fire immediately and falls back into another guy who then also catches on fire. It's yep. very good. Uh, they have a lot of trouble in this fight because they just don't have any equipment. And these dudes are robots, and so, like, punching them doesn't work. And so, like, the bar soldiers are, like, throwing spears at them and, like, shooting energy nets and trapping Momo against a tree. And then one of them shoots, like, a like a throwing star out of its mouth and it like yeah. cuts down another tree. Sticks, uh, well, it sticks into a tree. It doesn't cut down a tree. It cuts um, down a tree and then sticks into another tree. That is um, how, that is how uh, angry it is at all trees. Thanks. I missed that one, Matt. Um, so Niju gets electrocuted. Then somebody grabs the electro mace and then uses the electro mace on one of the bar soldiers, which is totally awesome. Yeah. So then they're all sort of gathering up these electro maces and walloping the bar soldiers. Yeah. And then one of them, I think it's, I think it's Shohei. I'm not totally sure about that though. Uh, grabs that ninja star and cuts Niju free from the energy net that then solidified. So now they're all yes. free and they've got some sort of armament. But they run again. Oh, and there was. The- there's a great moment in here where one of them, the Barra soldiers, gets blown up, but then, like, its arm crawls over and grabs onto somebody's foot. It's oh, I choice. About that. Yeah, that's cool. So they, they run away and they end up at the top of this waterfall. And when they're at the top of the waterfall, it's very, 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 very large. It looks, it, yeah, it looks like the Niagara Falls. It is massive. Yeah. And then they jump off of it and land in the water. And then, but like once they're down in the water, like you can see the top of the waterfall that they just would have jumped off. And it's not; they just have very two different establishing shots. Yes, which I get, but let's have some consistency. No, nope. I don't know why. No I'm time asking. for consistency, Dave. Yeah, I don't know why I'm asking for that now. I know that I'm not gonna get it. It's the joy of this show and the fuel of this podcast that we don't get. That, <laughs> <laughs> that we don't get. But we do, that is that is what happens. Um, so so they jump off of this very small waterfall. And then they're rolling down this river for, you know that scene in uh, the second The Hobbit movie where they're going down the river in barrels and it takes about 45 minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene that's not in the book at all um, in that way? Well, I mean, not in that way, but yeah. Uh, boy, that was a bad movie, right? It was so... 
so bad. Anyway, I, I only bring it up to say that this scene lasts for slightly less time than that. But they it feels like they're in, the, they in that river for an extremely long time. Yeah. So uh, they they do eventually land on dry land. And then they are attacked by a drill monster. It's Baradrill. For a moment, I thought that there was an earthquake. I'm like, well, of course there's an earthquake. There's already been a thunderstorm and like <laughs> having to like swing across a vine and fall down a waterfall and tumble down a river and fall down a muddy hill. Like, of course there is also an earthquake. But no, it right. is Baradrill. So Baradrill has, he's a robot basically with just a giant drill on his chest. Yeah, just like a forward-facing drill that is his entire torso. Right. Which, he was, like, drilling through the ground, which, like, I get as a monster, maybe for a look, he would want to have the drill on his chest, but, like, if you think about him trying to get through the ground like that, well, it, it doesn't... No, it doesn't make sense, but if you... You may have looked away to take a note at this point, but he actually, like, when he popped out of the ground, like, his arms and legs sort of, like, assembled to the side of him. So when he was underground, it actually wasn't like that. Delighted to be wrong about that. Like, I'm really stoked that they had that moment to think about it and then put the arms and the legs in the right spot. So uh, we see a shot of Goro, and he is in this souped-up Thunderbird, and he is taking out the fighter jets, the the Barra fighter jets. Yeah, so he's got like a Choriki laser cannon on the front of his fighter jet and is able to knock it down. He radios back to base and is like, dudes... Uh, that laser is great. It is even stronger than we thought it was. And the entire yeah. base like erupts in applause. Which, again, it's a tiny moment, but I really dig it. That like, well, we were pretty sure that this thing was going to work, but we did not know for certain exactly like what was going on with this ancient tech. Like, we just kind of slapped it on there and hoped that it worked, and it did, which is great. Um, this is also where we meet the chief of staff. Yeah, uh, his name I is saw that. Uh, Miura. Miura. Um, this dude, by the way, is, I think, being played by the guy who was the Blue Ranger in, um, the first season, Go Ranger. Whoa, no way. That's super cool. This, all of O-Ranger was originally conceived as sort of a, like, I don't know if it was an anniversary show as such. I don't know if it was, like, a, a particular milestone, but I believe that it was, um... Oh, it was like the 20-year anniversary, I think. It's the 19th oh, season. No, not but, the 20th season. But yeah. Because like, okay. I think that... Um, I want to say it was Go Ranger lasted two years, and then everything else had been a year. So this was the 20-year anniversary of Super Sentai. And so this show was designed to be a real throwback to the like the old-style Sentai shows, where it was like military science and stuff like that. Yeah, no. And so that's why they grabbed this dude. Now, eventually, this show does take, like, a pretty weird, like, pivot, which we will talk about in a couple of months. But that is how the show was originally conceived, which is why this guy is in it. Yeah. So I... Listen. I'm willing to give, having said all that, I'm willing to give this dude the benefit of the doubt. But if he's going to be the chief, and he's going to be in charge of a Jetty-style theme of Sentai, he's got big shoes to fill. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's, uh... Listen, I, he might be the best Blue Ranger of all time. I don't know. I've only seen one episode of Go, of Go Ranger. Uh, but he is probably not the best chief of all time, because we've already had her. Yeah. I'm just... We'll see. 
So anyways, uh, so we meet this dude, and then we flip back to... Or, and I'm sorry, if we, yeah, we did see them already. We go to the Baronia. We see Emperor Bacchus Wrath. Emperor Bacchus Wrath of the Baranoia Machine Empire. Sorry. Uh, the Baranoia Machine Empire. And uh, he is talking to Empress Hysteria and Prince Bulldont. Which I really... Anyways, just really, and, t- uh, just really having to take a moment to uh, process your immediate dislike of Prince Baldont. Yep. So uh, he says, "I am told the humans enjoy foolish things like joy and love. We machines are clearly the only fit beings to rule the universe." Well, Dave, they have immortal lifespans, like unto the gods, and so yes, uh, humans are inherently inferior. And so he needs to make them suffer so that they will recognize their inferiority and submit. Yeah. It, it all makes sense. Yeah, I don't. No, no, no. We're. I'm. I'm good. I. I understand where he's coming from. So we go back to Goro. Who. Who drops? I think the sickest move of this entire episode. Yeah. So he uh, does a low. Okay, real quick. Flyby. Let me. Matt. No, please go ahead. Um. Before you say this, and I want you to say it. I've been waiting for you to say it. Um. I feel as though the show is having him do the most radical thing possible in a direct response to Bacchus Wrath talking about how inferior humans are. <laughs> They're like, okay, that's what he thinks, but let's show you how great humans actually are. And then this happens. So he, what he does is he does a very, very low, not as low as you might think, though, fly by on his jet. And as this is happening, out of the bottom of his jet... He, like, falls on a motorcycle, like that red motorcycle we were talking about before, and then he takes that motorcycle off of, like, a sick jump and gets so much rad air, and I think something explodes behind him. Yes, and and then as he lands, he, like, rams through a whole crowd of Barra soldiers. Oh my gosh, it's so good. So then he hops off of his bike and he... I'm sorry. He skids to a halt and then he yeah, hops sorry. off of his bike. Then he hops off of his bike. I just it's don't want to uh, give... I don't want to leave out any of the amazing details of that move. No, I just... Again, man, uh, he's doing the raddest possible thing and that is the raddest possible way to stop on a bike. So he does that thing oh. and then he henshins. Oh, there's one last thing. He knocks sorry, his... Man. I, I'm sorry. I took very detailed notes on this. He knocks his bike into Barra Drill as Barra Drill is pulling up a gun to shoot him. Oh, and man. so the blast goes wide and shoots one of the jet, like the the Machine Empire's jet fighters, and it makes it explode. And no, then yeah. he transforms. I was going to say, thank you so much for interrupting me and saying that. That sounds like maybe I'm being sarcastic. I want to make you sure everybody, you and everyone knows, that was not sarcastic. I genuinely appreciate that because I would have felt real bad if we didn't mention that moment. So then he henshins and he uh, yeah, he's in red and he's got a uh, like a triangle sort of at the top of his chest. It's I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Um, Oh, well, okay. It's like a Superman S shield if it extended all the way up his shoulders. Well, if you're not looks, familiar with Sentai at all. It kind of looks like the Green Rangers, like the like Tommy the Green Ranger, like the sort of shield that he wears, except it's like part of the costume. Because it's gold and it's sort of a similar shape to that. Yes, uh, I was actually thinking about saying that, Matt, but I was trying to come up with a non-Sentai reference point. 
So anyways, uh, he has this, but we get a quick shot of it close up, and it looks like it's just sort of gold. What it actually is, is it's circuitry. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's circuitry on this thing, because again, the O-Rangers are like an ancient super science thingy. So I'm super looking forward to see it's, what's going on with that. It's super great. He's got, like, yeah. the star shape, like, for his, like, mask that he sees out of. Yeah. Um, his actual, the actual transformation sequence, I really like. He's got, like, two bracelets, and, like, a thing pops off of either of them, and he sort of fits them together in front of him. And then it cuts to a scene where it's all black, and, like, this green energy web, like, envelops him. And yeah. then the suit sort of, like, forms from the ground up. It's totally rad. Yes. Uh, so he... And then, you know who else thinks it's actually super rad? Is the rest of the Rangers. Oh. They see him and they're like, wow, we're not sure what's going on, but what is up with that dude? Like, they that's, oh, that guy's awesome. Love it. So, Ovred rolls up to the Barra Soldier. Barra Soldiers, right? Yeah. Rolls up to the Barra Soldiers and starts wrecking shop, which we talked about very briefly before. And it's but it's such a great piece of like very quick visual style shorthand storytelling that we saw these four humans who were like we said like the best of the best, and it was established like they're really really good and they're like the top of the line, and they couldn't fight these things. All four of them managed to sort of take out one using the Barra Soldier's own weapons. And Ovred just busts out. He's got a weapon called a battle stick, which is like kind of a sword, maybe? It's like a baton with like a sword hilt, sort of. Yeah, and he he's like taking these fools to school. Like he's, got, he's fighting like seven or eight or nine or ten at once. He's zapping like them he's, with his laser gun. Well, the King Blaster, Matt. He's zapping them with his King Blaster. Yeah, uh, he uh, he does also have a king smasher where he fits the hilt of the battle stick into the like like a flipped up part of the king blaster to make like a rifle sort of deal. Yeah, it's a cool moment. Uh, he uses that and he shoots it at one of the um, Machine Empire's jet fighters, and it doesn't like do a ton of damage. It just sort of like kind of messes up its leg a little bit, and he tries to then shoot um, Baradrill. But, like, the lasers bounce off of him because Baradrill is much tougher than the rest of these fools. Yes. So, uh, what we then see is that... Oh, uh, we do get... <laughs> we get this great moment. That'd be Okay, so because he's in human form now, Baradrill's drill is on his chest, which means that he, when he wants to attack with it, he just has to, like chest bump you yeah but he's much taller than o-red and so he do shot of just like falling <laughs> face forward in an attempt to drill o-red um uh it's very it's it is beautifully clumsy uh, he does yeah. manage to hit him though and o-red gets like knocked back into the side of the quarry um and a bunch of like boulders roll down the hill and land on him and he's buried right. underneath this pile of rocks yes but he then, we see, like, one of the rocks sort of rolls away and his fist clenches and then all the rocks explode and he gets back up and he's back in the fight. Um, okay, so he's back in the fight and, oh, that's right. Uh, there is a bit where um, Barra Drill and one of these jet fighters are both trying to zap him at the same time. 
Uh, and so he does like a sick backflip out of the way, and they end up shooting each other. The, oh, yeah. Um, Barra Drill gets damaged, sort of like on the top of his head. And I think that particular jet fighter goes down. Uh, yeah, 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 it totally does. And so he then gets out his, his like, special, special weapon, which is called the Star Riser. Yeah, he puts his hand in front of, like, the star on his face and then, like, grips it. Uh, kind and, of, and, like, yeah. And a sword forms around his hand where, like, the hilt has that star shape on it. It's a right. cool move. And so what I really hope, because, okay, so everybody has this battle stick, which is sort of a sword-style weapon, and he has a star riser, which is definitely a sword-style weapon. So what I am really hoping is that for the other rangers, they don't have, like, their special, like, star, like, shape weapon is not a sword. Oh, um, I can tell you right now that you are correct and that they all have different weapons. It's very okay, cool. Okay, cool. I, think I assumed that that was the case because that's a very Sentai thing to do. Uh, I'm just glad to hear that that is correct. So he wins, man. He, like, busts out the Star Riser. And he has this, like, crazy, like, jumping move. And then he comes down and stabs Barra Drill at the top of the head with the Star Riser. And then, and then he, ex- he explodes. Oh, and then the, the other four dudes are like, oh, we also need to fight. They pick up Barra Soldier, like, javelins all throw them together at the remaining jet fighter. And I was that the one that had the damaged leg from earlier? Like they hit oh, it in the... you know what? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't yeah. get destroyed before. Uh, that is, you, they take it out now. So like they all together take it out. And then we turn and we see the coolest thing, which is the Red Ranger casually walking out of the flames, like towards the camera, but there's all like the heat wave distortion in between him and the shot. So he's just like totally chill, slow mo walking through like fire and heat waves. It's yeah, amazing. Like I said, man, I they have done such a good job of establishing like day one. The O Rangers are on it. Goro is on it. Like let's get ready to rock. We're taking the fight to the Baranoia Empire, uh, and it's going to be rad as heck. And we're glad that you guys are on on board. So they so, they, they turn to him and they're like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "I am Oh Red." And they're like, "Oh, Oh Red." And then he does like this sick pose, which seems a little <laughs> And okay, here's what I love about this is that if Superman saves you or Batman saves you or something, right? And is like, "All right, I saved you. Here's my pose. I'm out of here." That's cool. But this dude like, he is a superhero, and he did just save them from, like, a giant drill robot. So, like, yeah. I get the idea of, like, sort of doing a, a moment. But also, like, imme- like he came to pick these guys up to bring, like, ha- have them join his program. So they're essentially, like, his co-workers. And this right. is how he has chosen to introduce himself to them. With, like, <laughs> a sick pose in like, and a lens flare. And or then they're I, just going to, like, all get back in his plane and fly to base. It's like, I am the new boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really, that's the end of this episode. Uh, we go from there into the final theme. Yes. Or the closing theme. And here's where we get, we get, like, some cool shots of... Like, what's going on with the Rangers? So we see Goro, and Goro is a uh, karate. He's like a karate expert. Yes. He's doing karate on a waterfall. 
Right. And then we see, get a shot of, I think, Shohei, but again, I'm not totally sure. And he is a boxer. Yes. Like, that's his thing. His, ta- his hands are taped up. He's in a field. He is swinging those hands. Yeah. Uh, we cut to um, uh, Miju or Jury, depending on which one it is, uh, the Yellow Ranger. Uh, and she is doing sweet kicks. Yeah, it's not... I, my guess is that, like, based on everything else, she is doing a specific martial art, but I, I'm just, I don't know, like, I don't have enough education to know what it is. Yeah. But she is doing some sort of martial art. And then the other dude, uh, and I think it is uh, Yuji. Yuji, yeah. Uh, well, that is the name of the other dude. I just can't remember which is which yet. Uh, oh, no, but you are correct. Yuji is the okay, thank Blue you. Ranger. Got it. So he is doing gymnastics. Doing so many sweet flips. Yeah, which I... Like, not to get, like, too deep into the gender politics here, but I really, really love that, A, the Yellow Ranger is a lady, and I really dig that the uh, this Blue Ranger is a dude and is, like, a... Is it a thing that the Blue Ranger is a gymnast, Matt? Um, I think that that is a coincidence that we have encountered twice on this show. I don't okay. think it's, like, a thing. Well, I just... Okay, I happen to remember that David Yost, who played the Blue Ranger in, uh, in Power Rangers, of course is himself like a pretty good gymnast. So I didn't know if that was like a thing. But anyway, so he is a gymnast. And then uh, the last, uh, the Pink Ranger, Momo, is doing some sort of uh, Chinese martial arts. It's not not super clear exactly what she's yeah. doing. I mean, I'm sure it's clear if you know exactly what type If you know what like. you're looking for. Uh, but I don't. Uh, but she is doing some sort of, uh, sort of Kung Fu Chinese related martial art. And uh, Oh, and then and there then, is a scene... Uh, right as the credits are ending of an arm wrestling match. I missed that. Oh, did you? This was a bit... I'm sorry. I I, I paused for a moment because this was a bit I was going to mention earlier and I thought you were going to bring it up. No, there's an arm wrestling match between uh, the Yellow Ranger and Green Ranger. Um, and right as the credits end, the Yellow Ranger like totally crushes it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she's the best, and I love her. I mean, I love all yeah. of them, but, you know, there are grades to this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and that, I think, is... That's the end of the episode. But it's not the end of our episode, Dave, because we no, it's have not. a new monster to put on our recently completed uh, Creature Royale. So, uh, the Creature Royale, if you're just joining us, is our... Now four seasons long, ultimate master list of ranked monsters. Uh, like who's the best, who's the worst, and why? Uh, we just recently caught up from two seasons ago because it's actually something we started doing like in the middle of season three um, that we just got such a kick out of. And uh, also we straight up stole from the guys over at Ranger Danger. Hey, Matt and Michael, we still love this idea. It's so- a good one. <laughs> Uh, number one on our list right now is Jin the Demon Fist from Die Ranger. Uh, number 108 on the list is also a Die Ranger thing, General Cactus, who sucks. Um, yeah, who is the worst. So, But Dave, Barrett we need to figure Drill. out. Yeah, Barrett Drill. Okay. So, okay. So clearly, he's he's pretty close to the bottom of this list, I would say. He's not much of a monster. His only method of attack is, like, to fall on you? Well, yeah, no, he, but, has like, he has like a flamethrower handgun, but... Okay, yeah, like he's not... What was the first monster in Jetman? 
The first monster in Jetman was Jet Dimension, I believe. Oh, yeah. It was an actual man who was a jet. Uh, yeah. And they are at number 102 right now. I feel like Baradrill is kind of around there. Like, yeah. it, it does a good job of establishing what like the machine beasts are. But it only shows up in the last few minutes of the episode. It's got a cool look, and it does pose a threat for a few minutes. Um, but it's not, you know, like, there's not a lot to the guy. Yeah, I would say I maybe like, you know, I actually don't like it better than Jet Fighter Dimension because the monsters in Jetman are so weird, and, and the concept of them is so strange that when you first got Jet Fighter Dimension, like, it's a jet that got turned into, like, a humanoid monster beast. Mm-hmm. Like, that was pretty mind-blowing. So, uh, I, th- I guess I like Baradrill better than Cherry Blossom Viscount, who's on the list because we had forgotten about him and then, like, found a picture of him later. So he's pretty bad. Yeah, like, he might be fine, but neither of us can remember anything about him without going back to watch the episode. Like, I even read a synopsis of that episode and still could not like, remember what it was about. Yeah, which that never speaks uh, well of a monster. So, a pretty quick one, Matt. Baradrill goes on at spot number 103 on the Creature Royale. All right. Well, then that, Dave, is going to do it for our very first episode of For Your Eyes, O Ranger. Before we finish up here, I want to remind you, uh, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember, uh, shining in the Apple Podcasts review section, there are five stars. Uh, Rate and review, subscribe on there. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Uh, This is the first episode, so if you have been waiting for an excuse to tell a friend or loved one about the podcast, this is a good time to get them on board. Yeah. Uh, Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.